Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Monday, September 11th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, the Guardians uh, lose three out of four over the weekend in Anaheim uh, to the Angels, uh, an Angels team that did not feature uh, Shohei Otani in the lineup for any of the four games, and yet uh, Cleveland's offense uh, unable to come up with uh, enough runs to beat uh, the Angels in, in any more than just one of the games. Uh, the, the angels did not, you know, you know, put a, a, a super veteran, super powerful lineup out there. And yet, uh, they were able to come away with three wins in four games. Uh, and in some cases, the guardians just beat themselves. Yeah. Just a dreadful, uh, a dreadful showing, you know, in a, a series where, you know, you're still on the, uh, outskirts of being in this thing of being in contention, you know, against a terrible Angel team. Like you said, Joe, no star power. Their pitching staff had been beaten up, and, uh, you know, they look like uh, the Dodgers, for gosh sakes. They they they, uh, they win three games by outscoring Cleveland 14-11. to 11. Cleveland loses uh, by scores of 3-2, uh, to 6-2, and 2-1. to one. They scored 11 runs in the four games Cleveland did. Six of them came in the only, their lone victory. Just, uh, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're pinch hitting Jose Tania late in the game with the hopes of, uh, of you're down by one, what, what is going on, Joe? I mean, what is going on with this team? Is this, this is how, this is with this roster, with, with the bench. I mean, it's just everything seems to be catching up with this club all at once. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm getting a sense uh, from Terry Francona that it's, it's you know, he's playing the hand he's been dealt by uh, the front office, and, and this is, you know, these are the guys you're going to give him, so these are the guys that he's going to run out there. Uh, I mean, you're pinch hitting 10, 10 in the ninth inning. Like you said, uh, this is a guy who hadn't had a hit in, in uh, five games, five appearances. So yeah, And what, uh, he started the season in double A, right? I mean, right. It's a, this is a guy that doesn't belong. He shouldn't be here. Well, not at this point in the season. If you're if you're trying to win uh, win games, no. Uh, the, um, the the self inflicted nature, I guess, is 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 what's you know jumps out at me. You know the 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 little things that that weren't sharp enough. Uh, you know Tyler Freeman, a couple of uh, games in a row where he's just not uh, making clean plays at third base, and 
uh, th- those lead to runs and uh, just all around this, this more and more is starting to feel like a team that's, that's losing any sort of hope. And, and that character that we saw down the stretch last year just hasn't been there this year. Yeah. And uh, just, uh, you know, they, they look dead when you don't score, when you don't drive in runs, when you keep putting runners in scoring position and you f- keep failing to produce in those situations, you know, a team looks flat and they, they look flatter than a pancake right now. And this is probably the wrong time of the season to do that if you're trying to stay in contact with the Twins. And, uh, you know, it looks like Terry Francona's last season with the Guardians is going to be his worst in, uh, you know, 11 years in Cleveland. Yeah, that's uh, it's certainly the way things are shaping up. Uh, you got to, you know, talk about the the, the pitching effort uh, from the rookies in, in this uh, series. Uh, Tanner Bybee came out actually after Cal Quantrill uh, came back and, and showed real promise in winning that game on Friday night. Um, you know, Tanner Bybee, uh, you know, closes out the series with uh, a strong effort, and we'll get into some of the particulars about why uh, why things went south, but. Uh, just the the um, the the ability to bounce back from uh, you know and control his emotions in a in a tough game. I thought uh, you know Tanner Bybee looked pretty good uh, going seven innings on Sunday. Yeah, that that was uh, ace stuff that uh, he showed on and off the field. I thought I thought he had a you know legitimate gripe to uh, complain about the box. You know when then he blows up in the dugout, he throws his he throws his glove <laughs> against the wall. You know he's screaming at the umpire a- after the inning. Um, just uh, and you're, you're thinking there, okay, this there's no way this guy this guy blows up in the next inning. And what do he do? Retire 14 straight? I mean, just uh, really uh, an impressive, uh, you know, a display. Just kind of gathering himself and uh, using whatever anger he had uh, to take it out on the Angels instead of uh, you know to keep uh, you know endangering the endangering himself of being ejected from the game. So good, you know, that was a, that was a, you know, kind of a, a really an interesting glimpse into what makes this guy tick and what kind of competitor he is. Yeah. I, emotion is, uh, is something that's, uh, that I think is, is big with Tanner Bybee. We saw after uh, his, his previous outing against Minnesota, and that was a game where, you know, the guardians were, they needed to win that game and uh, Bybee pitched five innings I didn't go as deep as he necessarily wanted to. Uh, only gave up two runs, but he did walk five batters in that game. And afterwards, he was visibly emotional in the in the clubhouse, and and he was upset with himself, uh, almost you know fighting back tears. It looked like uh, as he was talking to reporters. Uh, this this start on Sunday was a little bit different. Uh, you know he was he was fired up because he was in front of his hometown crowd. Uh, he grew up uh, not far from uh, Anaheim and and went to. Uh, um, went to school at Cal State Fullerton, uh, not far from the, the ballpark itself. Uh, he had a lot of family in, in the stands for this start on Sunday. And he came out, like you said, uh, harnessed the emotions after that third inning. Let's go back to that third inning uh, where the the Angels scored that run uh, to take the lead 2-1 to one on Bybee. Uh, he gives up a, a, a base hit on a hard hit uh, smash to first base. Uh, David Fry was over there playing first base defensively, and uh, you know David Fry gets all the credit in the world for for playing all over the diamond and and you know being as versatile as he is. But you know maybe if you had a uh, a more experienced first baseman over there, uh, that ball doesn't get past him. 
so there's a runner on first base, and uh, Pat Hoberg, the umpire at second base, uh, calls Bybee for a, a, a balk, uh, said that he had stopped twice when he came to the set position, uh, and that uh, entitled uh, the base runner to move up to second. And then uh, another pitch later, uh, he called the same uh, the same infraction. He called uh, what, what upset Terry Francona afterwards was uh, he said that there were four pitches in that at bat um, that uh, – you know, that Bybee did the exact same motion and the exact same delivery. Uh, two of them were called box and two of them were not called box. Uh, so so which is it? And, you know, he went a, a step further and said, you know, Pat Hoberg had Tanner Bybee uh, when he was behind the plate for the game in uh, uh, June 18th back in Arizona. So he had seen Tanner Bybee's movement and his, his delivery uh, and, and had never called a balk on him in that situation. Um and and so he he wanted to know you know what what was the difference there and and why did 77 other uh, major league umpires who have seen the guy pitch not call the balk on him uh, in 23 starts prior? Yeah, you know, just uh, really kind of a I don't know, you know, it's you know you you want you know you want an umpire not to inject himself into the game where he's the story of the game and that's what this guy did. You know, he put himself you know, in front of the final score, he, he set up the final score by the, by those two, you know, those two ball calls. And, you know, I don't think that's, uh, you know, what the, you know, commissioner, uh, Rob Manfred had in mind here. So, um, very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of feedback, uh, the guardians get from, uh, you know, the, the competition committee, you know, Michael Hill, who is on, you know, the, the director of on the field operations, if they get any kind of feedback from this, because, you know, it cost them the game. He, he injected himself at a point of the game where it turned out to be, you know, the point, you know, the turning point of the game. Yeah. And, and, uh, by the letter of the law, by the strictest definition, I think, uh, you know, they can, they can always hide behind that and say, you know, he, he did balk if, if there's video evidence. And, and, and if you watch the replay, it, it does look like Bybee flinches and, 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 you know, when he comes in that set position. Uh, but if it hadn't been called prior to that, and if it, you know, hadn't been called in any of his starts previously this season, uh, then, then why was that the time to, to make a, a case and, and, you know, sort of, uh, in, enforce a rule that at, at that point he had, hadn't thrown over, he hadn't looked over at the runner, uh, he wasn't deceiving the runner in any way. So uh, there's a, there's the right call, the wrong call, and the best call in that situation. Uh, and I, you know, I think Hober can can go back and say, hey, I made the right call, but was it the best call at that at that point in the in the game? And it certainly wasn't the best call uh, for the Guardians. Uh, I'm going to stop right now uh, and. Speaking of interjecting, uh, yeah, let our listeners know uh, subtext is the best way to uh, get in touch with Hoinsey and myself on the Guardian's Beat. Uh, subscribe for $3.99 a month by going to cleveland.com slash subtext or by sending a text message to 216-208-4346. Uh, that'll get you all of the, uh, the behind the scenes and inside information. And as soon as we find out from uh, Tito, what uh, the the latest is about these bot calls and the uh, the the latest from the commissioner's office, what they have to say about it, uh, we'll let you know before we let anybody else know uh, via subtext. Uh, really quickly, a couple of housekeeping items: uh, Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, who pitched uh, simulated games on Thursday and Friday at Progressive Field, 
to they, they pitched to Lake County captains, players who had come over from Classic Park uh, to 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 uh, have live at bats at Progressive Field against Bieber and McKenzie. Uh, by all reports, they came through uh, those outings uh, quite well physically as both recover from uh, elbow injuries. Uh, with a, a, a target and a goal of trying to get back to the mound uh, in Major League games before the end of this season. Uh, spoke to Chris Antonetti in the dugout prior to today's game, uh, and he said that the next step for both will be uh, AA rehab starts at Akron uh, sometime this week, and uh, it looks more, more and more like Akron's where that's going to happen. Uh, Altoona is in town uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, through the weekend, so uh, you will probably be able to see Tristan McKenzie, Shane Bieber uh, go a couple of innings for the Akron Rubber Ducks uh, if you get down there. Uh, Hoinsey, does this mean that uh, you know the chances are pretty good that we get to see each one of them for maybe a start each uh, before the end of the season? Yeah, I would think so, Joe. I mean, as long as uh, the rehab starts go okay, you know, this is uh, you know when we'll see uh, you know. Uh, with uh, McKenzie ramping up, if his elbow, how his elbow reacts. I mean, this, that's what the rehab games are for, to test the elbow, to see if, if he's going to be healthy enough to uh, get through the end of this season and start next season and avoid surgery. And I guess the same thing with Bieber, though, although, you know, it doesn't sound like Bieber's, you know, elbow injury was to, to as serious as, uh, as uh, uh, McKenzie's. Right. Yeah, there's there's definitely a difference between the two, it, it, even uh, different in the way that the team is uh, sort of phrasing it in their injury report. You know, Bieber is listed as uh, right elbow inflammation, whereas McKenzie is listed as a right elbow sprain. Uh, you know, and there's a there's a difference in the two uh, in the terminology for both of those. So, you know, uh, you know, McKenzie sounds a little bit more serious and the expectation I, I don't really think can be uh as as high for McKenzie uh you know if if there's something flares up at some point during one of these rehab outings or you know when he gets back on the mound in a major league game uh then then that's going to signal the the need for surgery and and that's something that he he won't be able to avoid yeah yeah definitely so we'll we'll see how these go but Joe I don't think uh you know if they do come back and it looks like you know they will come back you know, what do you think? You know, two, three inning outings, is is that what their, uh, you know, the pitch count will be? Yeah, certainly. I, I think uh, for both of them, I think if you can get three innings out of each of them, uh, that's a that's a positive thing. And and it can it can help sort of relieve the burden, I think, uh, for for some of these uh, these young starters, too. Maybe you, you piggyback them or, uh, you know, you go with a bullpen game and you, you push guys back. Uh, for a start or two, uh, it, it certainly will cut down. You know, if if, uh, if Logan Allen doesn't have to make four more starts, he only has to make three more starts, I think that's a positive for him. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, that gets into the mix. So, you know, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. I wonder, you know, how many starts these guys would have to make on rehab. You know, I would think more than one, right? They'd have to yeah. at least pitch two twice each in in Double A or or at at Akron or Columbus. Yeah, and the, and the way that would work out if they if they each pitch two rehab starts, um, you're you're looking at you know maybe they're available uh, for that final home stand against uh, Cincinnati or the the last series of the the season on the road uh against Detroit and you know that's a 
uh, a series that we'll all be looking forward to for a, a number of reasons uh, that, that we've discussed before. Miguel Cabrera's final series and and possibly Terry Francona's you know, uh, final series as a manager for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, all right. Let's spend the last part of this uh, this podcast here uh, talking about, uh, you know, something of interest, I guess, after this uh, this game on Sunday. Uh, the balk is a uh, is a particularly misunderstood rule, I think. Uh, fans who who watched baseball all their lives and and still don't know or understand or, or fully comprehend what a balk is, um, and and really by definition, it's it's just deceiving a base runner. And so, uh, as a pitcher, you, you have to be able to uh, once you start your delivery to the plate, you have to finish it uh, to the plate. Otherwise. Uh, if you you fake or you start and stop or if you come to the set position and you flinch, uh, there there are a number of ways that you can deceive a base runner. And if that base runner winds up getting thrown out, tagged out uh, or put out in any other way, uh, it, you know, that's why the balk rule is there to sort of protect the base runners in that situation. Yeah, definitely, Joe. And you know the one the one block rule I do understand is when the guy he's on the rubber, you know he's come to a set position and then he drops the ball. That's a balk, you know. <laughs> so I know that's a balk. Everything well, else is when I when when it comes to box is a little hazy to me. You know, the step toward uh uh you know first base. Yeah, are you deceiving guy? All those lefties have those great moves. Andy Pettit had the great balk move. You know, mm-hmm. the it was he stepping toward the plate or was he stepping toward first base? You know, that was always debatable. But it's you know usually Joe, you, you know if if the umpires have a problem. Or they they think a guy's balking. I thought they would you know talk to uh, the manager or the pitcher before the game and say, look, we're going to be looking for this, you know, or just give them a heads up. And well, or even in pre you know in spring training they did that with the Karen check, didn't they? I thought they told right. Tito, you know, look at this guy has a lot of gyrations. We need him to calm down, or he's going to get box called on. Yeah, just to get him to cut down some of the extra body movements that he was incorporating into his delivery. Uh, I, I think in terms of like the the pregame or the pre uh, you know season meetings, uh, that goes both ways because if you're an umpire that knows a guy like a James Karinchak uh, is is going to be in in a game at some point, uh, you can talk to the umpires beforehand and say, hey, you know, take a look at this guy's move because he balks pretty much every time, and I don't want my base runners you yeah. know getting picked off because because of this. So. You know, I don't know that Phil Nevin uh, was was calling for a balk uh, from the dugout uh, uh, on Sunday with with Bybee. I, I have more of a feeling that Pat Hoberg was was going on his own in terms of uh, calling that kind of stuff. But uh, it it's it's immediate because it 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 calls the play dead and then the runners advance. Uh, every every runner gets a base and if a runner's on third base, as we've uh, as we've seen twice this season with Xavier Curry. Uh, you know, a runner on third base, and he's balked a run home uh, because uh, he's a little different. He has to declare uh, because of his delivery and his movement uh, when he's going to go out of the the uh, the stretch, uh, so that the, the the runner knows that when he steps back, that that's his delivery to the plate every time. You know, it's a, sort of a disadvantage for Curry in that situation. Uh, but we've seen him uh, a couple of times get called for box that that uh you have resulted in runs i wanted to run a here's a here's a question for you paul 
how many different ways are there to balk? There's there's a number out there. What's the what's what's the number? Do you know? God, I have no idea. Six, maybe. Oh, uh, well, it's uh, more than double that. There's 13 different ways that a pitcher can balk. Uh, and and the, the example that you gave, dropping the ball while you're engaged with the rubber, that's uh, that's one of the most. Uh, it's not a common way, but I think the most common way that we've seen is the the not coming to a, a pause or a stop uh, when you're you're starting your delivery with the runner on base. You have to come to a set position and stop uh, before you begin your movement to uh, uh, to the uh, to the plate. So uh, you know, just a, a number of different ways you, you mentioned. Uh, the stepping off and, and throwing uh, uh, and faking to bases. Uh, back in 2013, baseball eliminated the uh, fake throw to third and then a, uh, a throw to first. You're not allowed to fake a throw uh, to an unoccupied base. Uh, there are only certain rules where you're, uh, certain situations where you're allowed to fake throws to first base when it's occupied. Uh, so there there are a, a bunch of different nuances. It's easy to to understand why. Uh, you know, the everyday fan who doesn't see these things happen uh, and doesn't understand what's going on uh, when they are called uh, can get maybe upset and, and, and you know, not understand, hey, the Guardians just lost a game because of this, you know, this rule. But there are uh, legitimate reasons why it's in place, because otherwise you'd have, uh, especially with, uh, you know, these new rule changes uh, this year that are out there to promote base running. Uh, you'd have guys getting picked off all the time, and and that's you know nobody wants to see that. Yeah, for sure, Joey. And uh, you know I I remember there was a game in in San Francisco, I believe, that uh, the Guardians pitcher was on was on the rubber, dropped the ball, or moved or flinched. He I think he flinched his hand, his pitching hand. Balk was called, a run scored, and they lost one to nothing. So I mean it's it's a brutal it's a it's it can be a brutal brutal rule when it's enforced against the team uh you know the fans are are rooting for and and you lose that way it's it it's uh you know and and Joe I think it, we haven't seen that many blocks called have we I mean I think what Karinchek what did Karinchek have just Karinchek late had just, two in an inning yeah uh, more than yeah, once this year so just recently that happened to him and uh, but I thought it was more was that more involved with you know the throws over to first base? He was out of throws. I don't. Well, I don't now, know if that. Now, now I guess I, I guess uh, there there's more than one. There, there might be more than thirteen ways now because I guess you got to call a balk if you throw over to first base uh, more than once in an at bat. Uh, that, that that would be another way to 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 have one register. But yeah, uh, if you don't get the runner out on the on the third throw over, right? You've got yeah, to get the get, runner out, or or he's a, that's a balk. You know, he goes to second on the balk. So uh, again, just in the the conversation that we're having and, and the discussion here, uh, I, I think uh, it's it's a rule that is it's commonly misunderstood uh, by fans. Uh, the it causes a lot of uh, you know passionate discussion on the field. I I, I was convinced Tito was going to get thrown out uh, there in the third inning uh, when he went out to to talk about it because he was pretty fired up. You know, he he wanted to know why Hobart, you know, was, uh, you know, more in tune with this rule than the 77 other umpires that have worked games this year. So uh, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. And, and like you said, we'll uh, we'll be following to, to see what the league says uh, as as a follow up to uh, what the Guardians are, are going to send them, I'm sure. Hey Joe, uh, with, with uh, the second balk, it looked like the home plate umpire 
called it or did did Holbert call it and then was the home plate umpire umpire just reacting on the replay it right. looked like the 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 plate umpire may have called it first no it was it was Holbert that called both both balls okay yeah and and that was uh and and the the home plate umpire was was out basically explaining because uh the second time he didn't he didn't go out and have a conversation with um with Francona that was all Hoberg and uh, Brian Onora the uh the crew chief there so again uh just something to keep an eye on and you know it, it's not unexpected with a a team as young as the Guardians are and the sta- a pitching staff as young as they are um can't wait to to get to San Francisco tomorrow and sit down with uh Carl Willis and just get his thoughts on uh you know what happened uh in in uh in Anaheim and and how that's going to affect uh, these young pitchers down the stretch, uh, these final 18 games of the season. All right, Hoynes, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll bring you all the action uh, recap of, of Monday's series opener against the Giants, and we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe. 